Well, uh, as you know, I like to encourage you constantly to read the Word of God, and I think in light of today's message, and really the book of uh, 1 Peter, uh, read Psalm 91, verses 1 through 2, if that's all you can get through. But really the key, if you can read that whole psalm, is verse 9. And verse 9 is the key because the, it's the answer of why all of that you'll see in there, if you read that whole psalm, can be true. Because ultimately you find your hope, your security, all of it in the Lord. And that's why you pull through everything. And no matter what happens, always works out for your benefit. It's the key. Verse 9 is the key. But get through verse 1 and 2. And if you continue on, make it to 9. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're just so glad that uh, we can come to you today and just uh, just gather under your name, Lord. That is, that, that's what we do as a church, Lord. Lord, that's what brings us together is your word. It's your word that we come under. Your word is what we need. God, thank you for that. So that as we, when we leave here today, we can take your word to all those around us. God, it's, your word is, is truly our source of life. Because you have said through your son that he is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through him. And the word has been manifested to us. In the beginning was the word. The word is to understand Jesus, understand you. And we have it here, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for, for your word. God, be with all those churches that are around the world right now and whatever meeting in whatever ways they are. Remind them, Lord, that we are in this together. We are praying together. There is a unity that goes beyond understanding, but there is a unity with all of us under, uh, under your name through the power of the Holy Spirit and his work in our life. God, I pray that anyone here that's struggling, anyone online that's struggling with any, any problems, suffering that's in their life, Lord, I pray today would be a day that they could be encouraged in you. That all the battles and all the stuff, Lord, that goes on, that they can know that there is hope. And it's never in vain, all of what they're going through. Lord, convict us of our sin. Expose it, Lord. Bring it before our eyes. Have your Holy Spirit, have him work in our hearts to truly pierce our hearts, pierce our minds and souls, to just put our sin before you to know what has been forgiven in your son so we can just run away and cling to the cross. So then, Lord, we can be filled, full of hope, love, and peace and live the faith consistently before you, Lord. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. Okay, so as we come now to the conclusion of 1 Peter... It's important to realize, right, that Peter was writing to real people who have real world problems. You know, this letter or the book of 1 Peter, it's not just a nice piece of literature to read when you have some downtime. You know, this book was written to encourage exhausted Christians who were living in an exhausting world that was trying to beat them down. They were living in a world that was solely bent on ridding them from the planet and tearing them away from any comfort. And we can relate to that a little bit. Christians 
at that time were seen as fools. They were seen as haters of mankind because they would not give in to the ways of men. But rather they chose to live according to the ways of God by placing their faith in Jesus Christ and his finished work on their behalf. The world took offense at them for this, took offense to the gospel message that they were living in response to. And even though these Christians were just on this path of pursuing righteousness in Christ by faith in Him, which meant they were only living their lives in such a way to help society, to help them know the grace and love and hope and peace and forgiveness that can be had in Jesus, society punished them for it. It constantly punished them for it. Even though they were just doing good things to those around them, society took it as an opportunity to beat them up whether verbally or even physically, playing mental games. And when you're constantly getting beat up by the world, when you're constantly going through just hard times because the world is a broken place, everything we interact with is broken. When suffering just seems to never stop and fears and woes and strife keep popping up in your life, it is really easy to just want to give up and give in. Suffering can very easily skew your perception to life to make you forget the hope and the joy that you have now in Jesus Christ. Suffering of any type, really, can make you fall into the lie of thinking that you're worthless and make you feel empty and make your life seem as if it is nothing So then you try to achieve something in a sinful fashion to obtain a purpose in your own strength and in your own wisdom. Suffering becomes a very powerful tool in making you live in fear or anger that directs your life to just cave into sin. Making you think that now you have to take matters in your own hands. When we suffer, we can easily fall into this wonky idea that the only way out is to give in to the ways of men. But that is not true. That has never been true for the Christian. That's not why Christ showed up. And this is what Peter has been stating over and over again in this book to these people who are truly hurting and suffering. He's been trying to get them to see that their suffering for Jesus Christ is not so much as a burden, but as a glorious tool in confirming their meaning and their worth and their victory that they have in Jesus Christ. But when you're in the thick of it, when this world's pressures are coming upon you, it is hard to think that way. At least I know it is for me. But Peter says we can and we will if we keep the gospel at the forefront of our minds, always looking to Jesus and his grace. And that's what Peter speaks about here in t- today in the final text that we're going over of 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 10 through 14. That if we just keep focusing on the grace that Jesus provides, we can and we will get through it all, get through anything that comes our way. So today's title, as you can see, 
is Peter's final thoughts on grace. So Peter then says here at the beginning of verse 10, And after you have suffered a while, a little while, and this is going to bring us to our first point, just that section. God's grace is what you truly need. What you have here is Peter saying, look, I know times are tough. I know it feels like these world's problems are never going to end and are just getting bigger and bigger in your life. I know it feels like every step forward is three steps backward. I know the threats and the worries are real. I know that every day you have to face a new challenge that just seems to be piling and piling itself upon other challenges in your life. I know your relationships are being stressed. And I know the, your very homes are being, and, and relationships in the homes are being placed under this enormous pressure from the world. But you need to understand that your suffering, that you need to understand that suffering in some fashion will always be in your life as long as you're in this world. A little while. Why is that? Remember, the only way to fit in this world comfortably is to renounce Christ and his ways. And Christians just don't do that. So Peter is being very real with you and I. He's being very down to earth. He says, as long as you have faith in Jesus, wherever you go, suffering will always show up in some fashion in your life. Whether it's against people or whether it's against your own personal sinful passions. Think of it this way. To not give in to the sinful ways of the world or to not give in to your own sinful passions will always cause you to suffer in this world. So our life will always be one of suffering in some fashion. Sometimes it's more extreme than others. But Philippians, for example, Paul even talks about this in Philippians chapter 1, verse 29. For it has been granted to you that for, for the sake of Christ... You should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. That's just because he, God is pulling you out of the world and its ways. Even with all any physical defects that's going on in our bodies, he's pulling you away from trusting in yourself. He's saying, trust in me. But Peter, he says, look, we should only see it, all these sufferings, as a little while. Our, we should see our life that is full of sufferings for his name's sake as just a little while in light of eternity. Now, I know that may sound messed up. <laughs> that suffering is just our way of life and I know that may not seem encouraging. But Peter is really trying to get us to see, really trying to give us the perspective 
of not seeing whatever it is that you are dealing with that's causing you pain as something that is driving you away from the Lord, but rather you should see it as something that is pointing you to Jesus and His grace, His sufficient grace. Because it is through looking to Jesus alone that we will, that, that will reveal to us that it has no power over us and we will overcome it. Peter is saying that you that you must not see the problems, or you must see the, the problems that you are facing now under, you must see it under the power and sovereignty of the Lord who is working it all for your betterment in Him. For grace is what we need more of in our life. That is our true need, not necessarily less problems. That's why we suffer. Grace is our need. Anything else really is a want. It's His grace that you need. Now, to stop them, and you and I, from going down this path of hopelessness and discouragement and thinking like, well, I'm just going to be suffering. You know, to always go down this path of, well, I, I Life is just going to be brutal. Peter quickly follows up in verse 10 with this. The God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. He says, look, yes, you are suffering, but if you have faith in Jesus, you have nothing to worry about. You have nothing to fear in this world because the God of all grace has you covered. Peter says he has called you to his eternal glory in Christ. Peter says, look, God has a divine summons on your life now. For Christ has done everything for you through faith in him. You just need to trust in him, in him alone for everything Trust in his grace, or as Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 through 18. For this slight momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comprehension. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen Peter says, look, Christ is everything you need to get through the sufferings that you are dealing with in your life. Peter says the God of all grace, the only source of where grace comes from, is in our life now. And he will graciously get us through our problems now. And he has provided the answer for you right now, and his name is Jesus. And to drive this into their minds and hearts, as with ours, Peter says that God will see to it himself. God will personally make sure that you and you and you and me, everyone who's watching, you personally 
Your name is on his mind. He will personally get you through the problems that you are dealing with in this world. He says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 10 here, when he says he, referring to God, it says God will himself. He'll take full responsibility over you to restore, confirm, to strengthen, and establish you. And he says, you. Not just us, but you. Peter's saying, look, keep faith in Christ, for you're not alone. I know that you may feel alone in this world, but that is not true. God is with you personally. He is your friend. He is your God. He is your Savior. He is your Father. He has saved you on an individual level. He has called you on an individual level to be with him in glory forever. And he has sent his son to die for you personally. God will not let you go. And he is personally seeing to it that your life is being worked in such a way that makes sure that you are there being guided and lavished and loved under his grace. And it's not by your performance before him, but by his grace alone, for he is the God of all grace. For you were called in Christ to be with him in eternal glory. That means by having faith in Jesus, he did everything for you. He lived a sinless life for you. He lived a perfect life for you. He died your death, paying your debt. And he came back to life proving that salvation and restoration between man and God, between you and God, had been, has been accomplished through faith in Christ alone. Peter here in verse 10 is saying that we need to see our life now in light of the gospel. Our life is now solely based upon and in God's amazing grace over us. The power to live in this world through all the suffering we endure is not found in ourselves. So we need to give up, but not to the world. We need to give up and give in to Jesus and his grace and realize that we are so much weaker than we can ever imagine without him. Peter is saying, stop trying to hold everything together on your own. Stop trying to fix things on your own. Stop trying to have all the right answers in your own wisdom on your own. Stop trying to control all the situations in your life on your own. Stop trying to be so strong in yourself. Stop trying to be bigger and better than everyone else around you. Stop trying to take a moral high ground. Stop trying to be independent and doing things your way. Stop. Stop saying, I must, I must, I must, and simply just say, I trust, I trust, I trust. God is over your life now, and he is the one who governs the outcome of your life, but it's all under his grace. 
He is working out your life in a way that will always be for your betterment in Him, even if that means you fail during the process. For He is the God of all grace and will not let you go, even if you stumble. For now you have faith in Christ. You have been called in Him. And He will make things right and He will restore you. He will strengthen you. He will confirm you. Things are going to work out because of what Christ has done for you. As, just as he said at the very beginning part of this letter of 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3-5, through 5, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and failing, kept in, you, uh, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation being ready to be revealed in the last time. Peter is saying in this text, that we need to live there. We need to live in God's amazing grace over us and what he will graciously give to us and is doing with us all through Jesus. For what we believe about the future will shape the ways that we handle the problems and sufferings of the now. That's where you're going to find your victory. It is through the glorious promise of the gospel that we now believe by faith that God through Christ is using the sufferings in our life to draw us closer to him and change us to reflect that we are his people as we pass as foreigners and aliens through this world to be with him forever. Relying upon God's grace is more than enough and is far more powerful than we can ever imagine to get us through the present sufferings in this world. God has said in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Don't ever think you're strong. That's where you fail. And that's our biggest problem. So Peter is saying, just keep trusting in Christ for all things in your life because God is working all things out for your good in Him. Even when you don't deserve it because He is the God of all grace. So even if you mess up, keep trusting. For your good works were never worthy enough for Him to care for you and work things out good for you. Peter is saying to them and all of us that God only cares for you because of his grace over you. He only blesses you because of his grace over you. He is only with you because of his grace over you. You are, were never worthy of his time or thought, but he is the God of all grace and he has called you to his eternal glory in Christ. Christ, out of his grace, has truly done everything for you. So Peter is saying, keep placing your faith in Jesus, especially 
when you are deeply suffering and don't know what to do and you feel like you can't go on. For that is truly the best place to be. For that is when you're being honest and admitting your need for his grace through faith in Jesus. God uses broken people so that he can restore them and make them whole in his son through faith in Jesus. Or as Psalms 119 verse 71 says, It is good for me that I was afflicted, that I might learn your statutes, learn your grace. Peter then busts into praise in verse 11 and says, To him be the glory, or sorry, to him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. And that, now what makes this significant here is that Peter is not just saying a nice praise to make people feel good about the Lord. I mean, which obviously it does. I mean, that's true. Oh, Lord, be, take the dominion. But in the context of this letter in which we've gone through this long journey through, what you have here is Peter saying and reminding these Christians that no matter what they, but no matter what they may see or hear from the world around them, that no matter what they face, no matter what happens, they must remember the truth that God is in full sovereign control over their life and is over those who oppose them. Peter is saying to these Christians who are now outcasts in their society to remember that the Roman Empire, as powerful as it may be and as mighty as it may show itself with the sword, the Roman Empire is under the sovereign power of God. And is little before him. Or as Isaiah 40 verses 15 through 21. And I condense it here. But I encourage you to read Isaiah 40 15 through 21. I condensed it. But it says this. Behold the nations are like a drop from a bucket. And are accounted as dust on the scales. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. When he blows on them, they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom will you compare me? What, shall I, what should I be like him? Says the Holy One. So Peter is saying that though the Roman Empire is on this full course mission to remove and annihilate Christianity and Christians from this earth, it will fail. For God is the ruler over them and all their plans that they're trying to work out only happens because he lets it. For though they rage against him, and they plan against him. They end up only father, father, um, fathering, or fathering. Oh, I can't say that. Blew. Just pushing ahead. <laughs> pushing ahead God's will. Now, how that happens, I have no idea. But all I know is that, is that it does happen. Because this world has been conquered through the cross of Jesus Christ. Through his suffering at the hands of men, he conquered them. So through his dominion over the rulers of this world, 
We too, through faith in Christ, have become, as Romans 8, 3, uh, chapter 8, verse 37 says, more than conquerors through him who loved us. It's talking about you, just by having faith. So that all things now work for our good. We win, though the world thinks we lose. For our God is the only mighty and only sovereign in this world who lavishes us with his grace because of our faith in Jesus. For truly, what do we have to fear? What do we have to worry about? It all works for our good. For through faith in Jesus, God himself restores us, confirms us, strengthens us, and establishes us right now. We have just a small taste of it now in this life with faith in Jesus. How much more awaits for us when we finally get to see him face to face? Mm. Or as Romans 8, 18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. And this brings us to our second and last point. God's grace is all you have. That's it. Sorry, Fido. Just God's grace. Peter says in verse 12, by Silanus, a faithful brother, as I regard him, I have written to you briefly. All Peter is saying is here is that Silvanus, who was, by the way, really closely connected with Paul, with Paul's ministry, and you see his name pop up in other letters like 2 Corinthians 1.19, 1 and 2 Thessalonians. Peter here is saying this dude... He's very well known. Peter's saying that he has commissioned him to deliver this letter to these Christians around dispersed everywhere and that he has the approval as being someone who's going to be trusted in the Lord. So if they have any questions or needed any explanation about what Peter has said, he has, the, he ha, the, he has Peter's okay to explain it. For Peter has said in this letter, he says he has briefly written to them. And as we can see, there's a lot packed into each sentence of just five chapters. Because the whole purpose of this letter was for exhorting and declaring that this is the true grace of God, as he says. Meaning that everything written here in this letter is how they can continue to live by grace alone more and more every day, and that's through faith in Jesus. To live by God's grace is not some mystical, religious, pious act in which you go live and die in a cave. No, to experience and be and to live in the grace of God is simply through trusting in and having faith in Christ in all things, no matter what comes your way. So Peter wrote in these, in these verses, he reveal, he's revealing just what that life of looking and living by grace looks like. What it looks like in our lives. So we are to trust in the grace of God and let that grace be reflected in our lives. We are to, as Peter says, stand firm in it. Meaning that we are to never treat the gospel of the message of God's grace we are to never treat Jesus' life, death, and resurrection as, simple, as simply a story. No, we are to keep clinging 
to the gospel message, keep it at the center of our lives no matter what comes our way. We are to never depend upon our own strength, never to depend upon our own performance, never to depend upon our own achievements, ways, or abilities. We are to stand firm in the truth of God's grace over us through faith in Jesus. And that is the key of victory in this world. That's what Peter's getting at. So Peter says, let no one convince you otherwise and don't let your failures convince you otherwise. Never give up on that message that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus alone, leaving everything else alone. Don't give up on that. The cross is the proof of God's grace and the love of his people, so keep looking to the cross. And then Peter finally closes the letter in verses 13 through 14. This is going to bring us to our close here. She who is at Babylon, who is likewise chosen, sends you greetings, and so does Mark my son. Greet one another with the kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. So Peter says that the church, which is the bride of Christ, and Mark, who is not his physical son, but a close companion of Peter, and you see his name pop up all over the place too in the New Testament, greets them from Rome, greets all these people from Rome, because they too were experiencing the same sufferings. So he wants them to be encouraged in the grace of Jesus to know that they're all in this together, and they're not alone in their sufferings. Now I know you'll say, well, wait a minute, that's... It doesn't say Rome, it says Babylon. But know this. Peter is just drawing from, again, Old Testament language because Babylon was a place that opposed God and his people, much like the Roman government was doing. And if you look ahead to the book of Revelation, Babylon is just a code name for Rome. So though Peter and the churches are in Rome separated from all those who are dispersed through the Roman Empire, he says, I know what you're facing, because I'm in the heart of it. He is facing the same troubles, and the only answer and the hope that he has, that the churches that he's involved with, the only answer that they have is the same answer that he wrote to them. Depend upon the grace of God to get you through it, through faith in Jesus. Now that tells you something. That the apostle himself, who wrote the very scriptures, who was with Jesus, saw it all, is saying that he needs to depend upon the grace of God just like them. Why on earth would we ever go anywhere else or think that we are strong enough to handle our problems on our own? And so Peter says in chapter 5, verse 14, greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace be with you all who are in Christ. So Peter, at the end of this book, is just saying, look, through all this suffering, just love one another as a family does and don't be strangers. Be a place where the love and peace of Christ is experienced by all who come into your fellowship and all that you meet out in the world who are Christians. Or more bluntly, let everyone know that you trust in God's grace by acting graciously to all those around you. Yes, and even the ones that don't deserve it. Be gracious, because that is the very essence of grace. 
is getting what you don't deserve. Have that be the mark on you and your church and our church. So church, let us all be solely dependent upon the grace of God as we go about our life in, I think it's fair to say, this crazy world. For it is only by God's grace that we will get through it all. And it is only by God's grace that anything will ever change at all in this world. Never think anything else will change someone. You'll just find new ways for them to sin. It's all God's grace. So church, as Peter said, stand firm in the grace of God. Amen? Let us go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, God, it has been a wonderful journey going through the book of 1 Peter, Lord, truly seeing how your grace is sufficient, peering into the lives of the history of those beloved saints far ago, seeing how much suffering they went through so that we can be encouraged now as, as we current saints before you can have hope and know that you win. For Lord, if there was any a time that your word, that your way should have been crushed. It should have been then, but it wasn't. Nothing can stop your ways. And Lord, how encouraging that is. I pray that it's encouraging to anyone here in this room who is suffering, that's going through hard times, whether that's by some physical or person or situational, Lord. I pray that they know that your word is enough, your grace is enough, that Jesus is enough so they can have the strength to continue on in your name and say, thy will be done, thy kingdom come. And God, if someone doesn't know you here today that has been struggling, I pray they run to you so they can repent of their sins and say, I need you, Jesus. Because, oh God, I know I need you every day. In Jesus' name, amen.